You're listening to Madison Votes, the City of Madison Clerk's Office podcast, where we give you an inside look into the voting process and empower you, the Madison voter, with the information you need to feel confident about exercising your right to vote. Our goal at the City Clerk's Office is to ensure every voter in Madison is able to cast a ballot and have that ballot counted. Join us and take a crucial step toward becoming an informed voter right here on Madison Votes. Welcome to the Madison Votes 2020 podcast series. My name is Thomas. I am a Wisconsin certified municipal clerk and one of 10 team members in the Madison City Clerk's Office, and we all help facilitate the right to vote for the city. We are producing this podcast series with the help of Madison City Channel, and we're doing it to answer questions we frequently hear from voters. This podcast episode will focus on what to expect at the polls. And joining me today is Brooke Soltwet, one of our polling place chief inspectors. Welcome, Brooke. Thank you, Thomas. I look forward to our conversation. So how long have you worked at the polls? I think it's been about 16 years. So why did, why did you first become a poll worker and what motivates you to keep coming back, especially in the midst of a pandemic? Well, I've always been passionate about voting as a step toward equality in our democracy. It gives everyone a voice. It's a right people have been fighting for throughout our nation's history and are still fighting for. I think it was about 16 years ago, I served as a poll observer, and that gave me a chance to see more about how a polling site works. And that led me to become a poll worker and eventually a chief inspector. I know some people who are new to voting can be intimidated by the process. And one thing I really like is helping them understand the process and feel that the polling place is really for them. And about the pandemic, I'll be honest, I I really thought about stepping back from my work uh, when the pandemic hit. I'm 61. My husband has some health conditions that put him at high risk. But when I saw all the procedures that clerk's office was putting in place to protect voters and poll workers, masks, shields, distancing, hand sanitizer, sanitizing surfaces and objects, I, I decided the risk was really pretty low. And as more voters have become comfortable with absentee voting, the risk has been reduced even further. Now, if we didn't have a pandemic this year, we would have 92 polling locations in November. We're currently searching for facilities to host voting on Election Day, and we are hoping to have a minimum of 92 polling locations. Because it is so difficult to find polling locations during a pandemic, We recommend that voters verify their polling location by visiting www.cityofmadison.com slash where do I vote before heading to the polls on Election Day. Um, So, Brooke, what should voters expect when they go to the polls on November 3rd? Well, first, they should expect to see people who really want to be sure they have a positive experience at the polls. The polling place is open at 7 a.m. statewide, and they'll be open all day until anyone who's in line at 8 o'clock at night has had a chance to vote. Even if your polling place stays the same, there's a chance the entrance may have changed because of curbside voting. Look for signage that directs you to the right entrance. In Madison, we set up yard signs that say vote, and they have arrows that point toward the polling place entrance. 
and there's a big red, white, and blue feather flag that says vote here in English and in Spanish to indicate where the curbside voting is available. And curbside voting is available for anyone with a disability or health concerns that make it difficult to enter the polling place. Could you explain that process to us? We have poll workers who are going to be watching for curbside voters. When the voter drives up to the curbside voting station, a poll worker wearing a face mask and a safety vest will approach the vehicle and ask for the voter's name and address and to check the voter's ID. And this is exactly what would happen at the poll book. The voter only needs to roll down their window enough to be heard, and the poll workers can check the voter's ID as the voter holds it up to their car window. And in our ward, we have a lot of curbside voters who are on foot or on bike and not in a vehicle. The poll worker will take that information, go into the polling place, and announce the voter's name and address at the poll book, just as the voter would do in voting in person. The voter is assigned a voting number in the polling book, and the poll workers will write curbside in the box where the voter would normally sign. The poll worker will get a voter slip and use it to get a ballot from the ballot table. And then two poll workers will bring that ballot out to the voter. We always have two poll workers whenever we have a live ballot for security. Then the voter can use their own black or blue ballpoint pen to mark the ballot if they want to, or we can supply one. The poll worker will step away from the vehicle to give the voter privacy. And when the voters finished marking the ballot, they'll fold it for privacy and hand it back to the poll workers, who will take it inside, announce that they have a ballot from a curbside voter, and then feed it into the tabulator to be counted. So we always have two poll workers involved when dealing with a ballot marked by a voter. What if a curbside voter needs to register as well? Well, we can do voter registration at the curb. It works much the same way as voting. Voters complete the registration form in their vehicle. Poll workers can check the voter's proof of address as they hold it up to the vehicle window. And remember, proof of address can be a hard copy or also electronic, something they show on a phone or a pad. And I should mention, voters who move within 28 days of the election should vote at the polling place for their previous address. Because state law requires you to establish residency 28 days before each election. That's right. And voters should also know that if they got an absentee ballot, they can deliver it to the polling place on election day. Curbside poll workers will check that everything's in order and take the envelope inside for processing. And we also want to be sure that voters know that poll workers will be sanitizing their hands throughout the day, will be disinfecting all the pens and the clipboards after each use. Yeah, that is important. Um, what should voters expect if they are entering the polling place? Well, a poll worker will greet each voter and make sure they're at the correct polling location. The greeter will also offer each voter some hand sanitizer. Although our absentee voting locations serve voters who live anywhere in Madison, on election day, each voter has only one polling location. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Every ward is assigned to a specific polling place. That polling place for your ward is the polling place that will have your name on the poll book and will have ballots that list the candidates you are eligible to elect. And we often have voters ask if they can vote in our office on election day. Um, but the only place you can vote on Election Day is at your own polling place. 
you are likely to, to recognize people from your own neighborhood working at your polling place on election day. So what should the voter expect after checking in with the greeter? Well, if the voter is already registered to vote, they'll check in at the poll book table. They'll announce their name and address to the poll workers at the poll book, and they'll hold up their voter ID on one side of a plexiglass screen so the poll workers can check their ID but still be protected. The voter will be asked uh, if they have returned their absentee ballot. Voting twice is not legal. The voter will be asked to sign their name or make their mark on the poll book. The poll workers assign a sequential number to each voter. The first voter of the day, voter number one, and the next voter is number two, and so on. And the voter will be given a slip of paper with their voter number and be asked to go to the uh, ballot table. So a voter who is unable to state their name and address may designate someone else to do so, right? Yeah. Yes. And anyone unable to sign the poll book due to a disability is exempt from the poll book signature requirement. But um, so what happens at the ballot table? Well, the voter hands their voter slip to the poll worker who's at the ballot table, and the poll worker will give the voter a ballot with a few notations in the official use section. They write the ward number, and there will be two sets of poll worker initials. So nothing on the ballot indicates who marked it. Oh, no, no, no. That's correct. The voter is casting a secret ballot. The ballot table official will ask the voter if they're familiar with how to mark the ballot, our ballots use, have ovals that are next to the candidate of your choice, and the voter can use their own black or blue ballpoint pen if they'd like, or again, we'll have uh, pens that we can supply that have been sanitized. Yep. <laughs> so when we conduct our public test of election equipment, which is 10 days before the election, we make sure the tabulators will recognize a vote if at least half of that oval is filled in. Oh, that's so, good to know. So what should the voter expect after receiving their ballot? Well, next they'll choose a, a voting booth that they'll use for marking the ballot. And they should know we have sanitized, we sanitized all of the booths as soon as the voter leaves. And um, another thing they should know is if they don't want to use a pen to mark it, they can also use the, ask to use the Express Vote accessible ballot marking device. Yep. That is, that's, that's a really good option. I, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. The express vote marks your ballot based on selections you make using its touchscreen or its braille keypad. And also, it offers large print and high contrast reading screens. So, and it is compatible with sip and puff devices. It's, it's a pretty remarkable machine. Yeah. And it doesn't count any votes. No, no. It simply prints your selections on the ballot and then you take that ballot and feed it into the tabulator, and that's where they're counted. Yeah, and another great thing about the express vote is that you can make a choice to either see that ballot in English or in Spanish. And if a voter would like an interpreter for any language, every polling place in Madison has interpreters available via phone, and it's free. So what does the voter do after marking their ballot? Well, next the voter takes the ballot to the tabulator. And we've been talking about the tabulator. It's the machine that reads what's on the ballots and counts the votes. And it looks kind of like a tall metal bin with a little computer screen on the top. The voter inserts their ballot to be counted. And then 
it gets sucked into the machine and then the screen will uh, display, thank you for voting, your ballot has been counted. And the voters should stay till they see that. You know, sometimes a voter makes a mistake when they're marking their ballot. We all make mistakes sometimes. And maybe they voted for two people for the same office or maybe their handshakes or they get bumped and they mark way outside the oval. And sometimes they realize the error before they try to put the ballot in the tabulator, but sometimes the tabulator later won't accept the ballot because of the way it's marked. And if that happens, a voter can bring their ballot back and ask for a do-over. The official at the ballot table will ask the voter to fold the ballot over for privacy and then put a tear in it, not tear it up in pieces, but just put a tear in it so that it can't be fed into the tabulator. And then that torn ballot goes into an envelope for discarded ballots. The official will ask for the voter's name because we make a mark in the, a note in the poll book that that voter was given a second ballot. But then they get another ballot and they can try again. But one warning, we can only do two do-overs. So three chances. Three chances is it. Yeah. Okay. And the voter is welcome to take an I voted sticker and is welcome to use hand sanitizer again as they leave the polling place. So how is the process we just went over different for voters who also need to register to vote at the polling place? Well, the only difference is that instead of going right to the poll book table, they first go to the voter registration table. The voter will complete a voter registration form and will show the poll worker a proof of address, something like a utility bill or a government document, and again, it can be electronic or a hard copy. After completing the voter registration form, they'll show poll workers their voter ID, like any other voter, and will sign a poll list of new registrants. The voter registration form was recently redesigned, so it is more intuitive. It's easier to complete. Much, yeah. much. So given the number of voters who are casting absentee ballots by mail this fall, it is pretty likely, I think, that voters in the polling place will see poll workers <laughs> processing absentee ballots. Um, can you explain a little of that process? Because they'll literally be standing and feeding five ballots into the machine at a time. Yes, and sometimes people are wondering what the heck is going on. <laughs> um, poll workers at your polling location may very well be processing over a thousand absentee ballots throughout the day. At my polling place in August, we did over 1,200. <laughs> in Madison, we process all the absentee ballots at the polls. All the absentee ballots are alphabetized for efficiency, and poll workers check every envelope for completeness. We need to make sure the envelope hasn't been tampered with, that it has the voter's signature, the signature of a witness, the witness's address. And we also have to check every absentee voter's name against a list of people that we're given who reside in our ward and are currently serving a sentence for a felony. Poll workers take a handful of absentee ballots at a time, and they check those absentee voters into the poll book, just as if they were a proxy for the voter. They announce each absentee voter's name and address, and the poll book officials assign a voter number to each absentee voter. After the voter number's been assigned, poll workers open the absentee envelopes, and they completely separate the envelopes from the ballot so they don't know whose ballot that is. It's gotta be stay private secret, and they feed the ballots into the tabulator to be counted. And as we mentioned before, we always have two poll workers with voted ballots. So as we stand in line with 
absentee ballots waiting to go up to the poll uh, poll book we always time how long those um, poll workers stand in line to get there yeah. and if the line reaches a point where voters like at, like live voters are waiting in line for 15 minutes we call the clerk's office and we get extra help sent to our polling place okay yeah as we process hundreds if not thousands of absentees there is a likelihood that the tabulator is going to experience a ballot jam. Yep. Sometimes the folds in an absentee ballot prevent it from dropping into the bin right away. Um, what should voters expect if there is a ballot jam while they're at the polls? Well, they might see a chief inspector doing what we call the tabulator dance, where we're actually wiggling the machine to try to get the ballot to drop into the bin below. But if it takes more than a few seconds for us to clear a ballot jam, we do something called open the emergency bin, and that's in the front of the tabulator, and it's a place where voters can place their ballots in that emergency bin while we're working on clearing out the ballot jam. That way they can get on their way if they want to. Poll workers will feed those ballots back in through the machine as soon as the jam gets cleared. But any voter who would rather just wait while we're doing that and be, put their their ballot in by themselves, they're welcome to do that. Yep, and I think it's important to note that the emergency bin is secure. It is. It's just a tiny little slot, and it's locked. And the only way to get get it open is with my key, or <laughs> the chief inspector's <laughs> key. And when we have a ballot jam, the screen indicates, too, whether the ballot that's stuck has been counted or not. Yes. So that you know whether or not you should pull it out and feed it back in right. or just let it be. Um, so we should talk about the significance of voter numbers. Why is each voter assigned a number? Well, the chief inspector is constantly comparing the number of voters that are counted for to the number of ballots that have been counted. So at least once an hour, we compare the number of voter slips that have been issued. Remember, we talked about those mm -hmm. sequential slips given to each uh, voter. And we compare that number of voter slips that have been given out to the number of ballots that have been counted by the tabulator. Yep, there's at the top of the tabulator screen, there's something called the public count, and yep. that's that number. So we don't know how the results are adding up, but we do know how many ballots have been counted. That's right. We need to be sure that all voters have their ballot counted and that nobody was able to cast more than one ballot. When we close the polls, the, we triple check that all the absentee ballots have been processed, all the ballots have been counted, and that those numbers reconcile. If there's a discrepancy, we have to figure it out on election night. Yeah, that's a big responsibility. Um, could you run through, are there other checks and balances that occur at the polls? Oh yeah, there's so many. <laughs> uh, I think sometimes new poll workers are so surprised at the number of these things that we have. First, all poll workers are trained before each election, and they rotate tasks throughout election day. They all understand the procedures that are to be followed at each station, and they're able to check on each other's work. So that's one, one kind of a, a check. And then every polling place has a chief inspector who's in charge of the polling place and who documents everything that happens throughout the day. That starts with verifying the serial numbers that are on the seals the clerk's office puts on the tabulator when you do that public test you were talking about yep. of the election equipment. Yeah, verifying the seal numbers confirms that nobody was able to tamper with the election equipment after we did the public test. That, that's right. 
And then another thing is that when we open the polls, we run what's called an initial results tape. And that verifies that the count that we're starting with for every uh, race that's in, that, uh, in the machine is starting with zero votes counted. One of the most important security measures we have is that we have a paper trail for everything. So all the votes are cast on paper ballots. We document who voted on two copies of the poll book, and we reconcile those poll books with each other throughout the day. One copy of the poll book is going to go to the city clerk's office at the end of the night, and the other copy goes to the county clerk's office. And then when we run the results after the polls have closed, we print one copy of the results for the city clerk's office and one copy for the county clerk's office. And then we can also print additional copies for anyone who requests a results tape. And the closing of the polls is open mm -hmm. for anyone to observe. Um, throughout the day, voters might see observers at the polls. Can you tell us how that works? Yes, um, anyone can observe at the polls. Remember, that's how I came to be oh, a poll right. worker yeah. was that I was an, an election <laughs> observer. So observers might be there on behalf of, say, the League of Women Voters, or maybe a political party, or maybe a certain candidate, or maybe on their own behalf, or, or maybe they just just want to see how elections work. Observers will be stationed six feet away from whatever activity they're observing. We're trying to keep that social distancing. Mm -hmm. They're not allowed to address voters unless a voter initiates a conversation with them. And the observers need to address any questions they have to the chief inspector. We don't want them interfering with the work of the, the mm -hmm. other poll workers. Mm -hmm. Observers need to stay in a designated area, and they're not allowed to take photographs or video. They're just there to observe the process. And if they become disruptive, the chief inspector will order them to leave the polling place. Okay, so they are, they are observing the work. They're not doing the work. Absolutely. Yeah. They can't yeah. touch anything. <laughs> That's good to know. Well, thank you, Brooke, for providing us with a sort of behind-the-scenes look at what happens on Election Day. Well, thank you, Thomas. That's our episode today on Madison Votes. Thank you for listening and taking steps to learn more about the voting process in Madison. For more information, head over to our clerk's office website at cityofmadison.com clerk or find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MadisonWIClerk. We're always here for you to ensure that Madison votes. Thank you.